Good morning and welcome to Highland Valley United Methodist Church. It is a joy to see all of you here in person today, and it's a joy to know that there are those of you who are joining us virtually for this worship service. We pray that it will be a blessing to you as you are a blessing to us. Believe me, um, trying to preach and offer worship to an empty sanctuary is just no fun at all. Just no fun. So uh, if you are joining us today for the very first time and you would like to know more about Highland Valley United Methodist Church, please go to hvumc.org and check out uh, our church and, and our mission and our vision and our core values and click on the link, tell us more and give us information about yourself, uh, ask questions about the things that you have seen online, and then anyone, um, new or uh, a member here now, can go to this link and share a prayer request so that our prayer team can know how to pray for you. And always, always, always remember, when you are watching uh, Highland Valley United Methodist Church on YouTube or Facebook Live, please like, share, and comment so that others will have the opportunity to know about Jesus Christ and know about how we are serving the Lord and sharing the good news here at Highland Valley. So it is now time for us to worship together. Will you bow with me? Oh God, it is good to be in your house on this beautiful Sunday morning to worship you, to honor you. We are grateful for your love and your blessings. We are grateful for the peace that is ours in knowing you are our refuge and hope, our help, our comfort in these uncertain times. We are grateful to know that no matter our doubts and our fears, you are with us. You will sustain us, and you will show us the way. We confess our sins against you and others and ask that you grant us the strength and the courage to resist evil and oppression in this world. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds to the ways in which you are calling us to serve, to speak truth to power that we might create with you a more just and equitable world where everyone is able to experience abundant life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We lift to you this day and every day the sick, the suffering, the mourning, the dying, those who are homeless and hungry, the oppressed and the forgotten, the immigrant and the refugee, and people of color everywhere who live with the daily fear that the color of their skin will bring discrimination and violence upon them or the ones they love. We long, we yearn to have a world where everyone is valued as your precious child. God have mercy. Christ have mercy. Spirit have mercy. Amen.
Good morning. We are looking at how Jesus was on the scene, how Jesus showed up for the disciples then, and how Jesus shows up for us now in our fear, in our worry, in our anger, in our doubt. And it made me think of the season of life that we're in. We have been in for a long time. Like you probably wear a mask to school. Uh, wear one to church, uh, maybe get your temperature taken, you wash your hands an awful lot, or your teachers have this stuff around everywhere so you can keep your hands clean, and maybe even some spray that you spray the furniture down with to keep the germs away, to get rid of the germs. I don't see this stuff working. I don't see the germs jumping off the table and run away. I don't see the germs coming to attack me and saying, oh, run the other way she has on her mask. I don't see it working with my eyes, but I believe it is. I haven't been sick. I've been protected. I don't see the germs running away, but I know they are. I have to believe. I have to have faith that these things are working and that they are going to protect us. And our lives are like that. You know, sometimes um, we may sin or need a little protection in our hearts and in our brains. And we know Jesus is protecting us. We don't have to see it. We have faith and we just believe it. And so it's like Thomas in our story today. Um, Sometimes we doubt. We have a hard time believing sometimes. We don't always see with our eyes Jesus working in our lives, or we see people that are hurt, or we see a family member that's sick, or maybe even we're hurting ourselves because something's happened and It's sometimes hard because we don't see Jesus right there with us. But this story is so comforting because Jesus doesn't get mad at Thomas, doesn't get angry at Thomas, doesn't say, well, I don't believe in you either. He just says, do not doubt, but believe. And that's our lesson for today. It's like the hand sanitizer. It's clear. It disappears on my hands. I don't see a shield of protection. I don't see the germs going away when this touches my skin. But I know it works. I have faith. And Jesus is on the scene in the same way. We don't see it. We may not always feel it. But Jesus was on the scene then, and he's on the scene now, teaching, leading, guiding. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't listen, even when we don't have proof, Jesus is on the scene, guiding and protecting us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for all you do in our lives. We sometimes start to think about ourselves and lose sight of how you're working in our lives. We sometimes doubt the plan because we think we're really smart. We pray to believe even when we don't see. Lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. 
It's a delight to see you here this morning in person. And again, for those who are joining us uh, through social means, thank you for uh, being here also. I'm Pastor UC Washington. I want to thank Pastor Gail Brooks for leading us, giving us our opening this morning. And what a delight to, uh, to be here. I, I, I could almost give a benediction. Crystal has already blessed us with the word. I want to thank her very much for her very insightful and very unique way of uh, communicating uh, with our young people and with us as well. I invite you to the word of God as it is recorded in John's gospel, uh, chapter 20, uh, beginning with verse 19 through verse 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the marks of the nail in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the door, or the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hands and put, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join with me for a quick word of prayer. Now, God, as I stand as a vessel in your hands, pour into me, God, that you would have me to share with your community this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our series of sermon uh, at this time is on the scene, and uh, I thought it uh, not a better subject to come up with or to add to that today. And so that's basically what we're using for a subject on the scene. 
in this first resurrection appearance of Jesus. It reconfirms his words of comfort, his promise of the Holy Spirit, and his commissioning of the disciples. And verse 23 tells us that the full implication of receiving the Holy Spirit would be something that would be evident later on on the day of Pentecost, when the outpouring and the outward impact of the Holy Spirit would be exhibited in such a profound way. The Bible informs us it was at the point of darkness in our scriptural text for today, the point of darkness in the life and in the ministry of the disciple, not just physical darkness. There was a darkness of hope and a darkness of expectation. Darkness was still gripping the disciples. They were still groping in their personal darkness. They were still seeking reasonable explanations about all that had happened. Any yearning for justice was now covered by a cloud of cruelty. And the preparation, the, 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 the perpetrators of such injustice were not finished. It was not some figment of their imagination. No, they were looking for them. The gnawing thought of what might happen to them was very present and very relevant at that particular time. It was the reality of what they had witnessed, the things that had been done to Jesus, and there were those seeking to do somewhat the same thing to them. In the disciples, we see people not unlike ourselves. They felt caught. They felt boxed in and hopeless. Most, most of us know what fear and uncertainty feels like. We know the feeling of being caught off guard by life's uncertainty. So it was with the disciples. They, they were afraid and unsure about tomorrow, afraid of what could happen, and uncertain about their future, they were caught, caught in the circumstances of life. Mother and her little daughter, four-year-old daughter, were preparing for bed one night, and the child was afraid and of the dark, and, and the mother was somewhat also, when the lights was out, the child caught a glimpse of the moon outside of her window, 
And she called out to her mother. She says, Mother, uh, is the moon God's light? Mother replied, Yes. God's light is always shining. The next question from the precocious little girl was, Well, will God blow his light out when he goes to sleep? The mother replied, No, my child, God never goes to sleep. And then, out of a simplistic concept of that little child's faith, she said that which gave reassurance to the fearful mother. Well, she said, as long as God is awake, I'm not afraid. Isn't that a blessing this morning? That God is never asleep. Our text informs us that Jesus was on the scene and that unbelievable day when he was crucified was now being massaged and changed and altered by what was happening in this gospel text of John. It was a new day for worshiping A new day for remembering the day that day would become known throughout Christendom as the Lord's Day. The day when Jesus revealed his power in an unmistakable manner. But at that point of the story that the scripture brings us into, The disciples were fearful, and there was reason for their fears. Peter, Peter, who it is suggested, was one who drew the sword when they came to get Jesus in the garden and cut off the soldier's ear. Well, uh, the religious leaders were looking for him, and John was known to be among the disciples, so they feared a kind of fear. That almost immobilizes a person. The kind of fear that pushes reasoning out of the picture. The kind of fear that leaves a person baffled and bewildered. They were still terrified that their enemy would locate them. After all, it was that same enemy that had located Jesus in the garden and and had arrested him and done the things that they did to him. Now they were locked in a room with their personal crises of what do we do now? Even today, fear of worldly forces can often sees Christians who focus not on God's power, but on worldly forces. Believers who focus not on what we have seen Jesus do in our lives and and in the lives of others, but on what we see happening around us. 
not on the promises of Jesus, but on the problems that confronts us. And if we are not careful, we will find ourselves locked in rooms of emotional anguish. Locked in rooms of not caring or seeking ways for a better society. Locked to the point that we can't hear the words of Jesus when he says, Peace be with you. Words of peace cannot ring in the streets of pain and bloodshed because believers have locked themselves behind closed doors too often. Men and women were, in in the case of our scriptural text, men and women were clustered together in fear. They could not overcome their circumstances so instead they tried to avoid the circumstances by locking the door they closed they locked the door to lock the world out but they found out that They could not, and we certainly can't, lock out the world. Even with doors locked, you can only wait in that dreadful expectation of the knock. When it shall come, sure, physical doors were locked, but their hopes and their aspirations We're locked also. There are times when we are not far from it either. The social constructs of what we call race in these United States strikes fear in many. The demonic push for racism sparks and stalks and walks and pushes its way up and down our streets. There are those who have weaponized and militarized classism and sexism and racism. Day after day, people seek to shut the door of unity and togetherness, efforts of, of, of striking fear and discontent in human society is the intent of so many people. So we close and we lock the door to avoid the deep conversations that are needed to change things. Being found was a great fear of those disciples, sometimes it becomes a fear for us. But here's the thing that the text brings out. They were found, not by their enemies, not by those seeking to destroy them. They They were found by Jesus. 
Jesus found them in that locked room. Jesus showed up on the scene and, and he brought with him the words of peace be with you. You see, what was necessary was the calming words of Salaam. It was a voice, a voice from the darkness of beyond the grave was a message of the one who conquered death. These words declared that through him, that is Jesus, the victory is won. Now they knew that faith in Jesus encompassed both death and life. Faith in Jesus Christ both encompassed sorrow and joy. It encompassed the totality of human existence. The cross and the empty tomb are one evidence joining together both death and life. This resurrected Jesus. That I believe in, and I pray you believe in, this resurrected Jesus was on the scene. This was after. After the political and the religious powers had done what they could to seize him and to get rid of him, after the brutal whippings and the dehumanizing, dehumanizing words that had, had poured upon him, this was after cavalry and after the tomb, Jesus showed up on the scene with words of peace to those disciples. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I... I tried to locate myself in there, and all I could come up with was, what a rush. What a rush of rapture. What a disturbance of joy shock the mind of the disciples. Then I thought, that's good for the upper room, and that's good for right there, but what about afterwards and I reflected back upon something that is said in verse 22 where Jesus says to them receive the Holy Spirit that's what's going to get you through that's what's going to keep you going when the going gets tough. That's what's going to cause you to love when love seems the most hardest thing to do. That's what's going to cause brotherhood and sisterhood and human togetherness when it seems like everything is trying to pull us apart. Receive the Holy Spirit. For you see, the Holy Spirit can do in us and to us and through us what nothing else can can give us those hearts of love and those wheels of being kind to all of humanity, of trying to understand what others are going through, and most of all, seeking to do the will of our Heavenly Father. I pray it is so. In his blessed name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor see for your word, for your message today from the Lord.
As always, we are grateful for your continuous support of the missions and the ministries here at Highland Valley United Methodist Church. And I simply want to remind you today of the ways that you can give online at hvumc.org backslash giving by texting your gift to the amount, uh, by texting your gift amount to the number on the screen by mailing by dropping it off in the mail slot of the sanctuary door during the week, or today, if you are here in person, there are offering boxes as you exit uh, the building. So will you please bow with me for prayer? Gracious Lord, all we are, all we have is yours. We ask this moment that you bless our gifts, that you bless our lives, that you um, use us to glorify your holy name through this church and through all that we say and we do. May we be found faithful with that which you have given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
As most of you know that uh, Highland Valley and your pastoral leadership is going through a transitioning time that uh, Pastor Gail and my time here is uh, drawing to an end. But what a delight and what a wonderful pastoral team you all are uh, getting ready to receive. Pastor Mark and Pastor Jesse uh, are going to bring some wonderful gifts and graces to this community. And I know you all with your love and your open-armedness and your warmness are just going to do some wonderful things in the ministry and in the works of Jesus Christ. So as we prepare for that, let's just be praying and uh, greatly anticipating to say farewell and welcome. And I thought about that and I thought about that's kind of what Jesus was doing, wasn't it? He said, I've got to go now, but I want you to receive what I'm sending. And that's going to be a blessing. So, let's do the works, the hard works of what God is calling us to do and see the bountiful blessings that will come from those things. Because you know what? Jesus is still on the scene. For that we are blessed. See you next time. You be blessed. Have a good day.